0: There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature.
1: I don't want any of this lover's lament crap.
0: I want something peppy, something happy, something uptempo. I want something snappy.
2: Australian singer-songwriter Courtney Barnett blows audiences
0: away with her mixture of quick-witted lyrics and powerful guitar playing. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. We talk to Courtney Barnett about her songwriting, and she'll play a rare solo set. And later, we'll review the newest from old country singer Lydia Lovelace. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and Greg, as you know, as everyone knows, the Olympics are in full swing. I've heard people talking about two things, wondering about two things with all the Olympic athletes. Number one, what are those weird marks on people? You know, <laughs> cupping, apparently, right? Suction cups. Uh, number two, everybody seems to be listening to music on their iPhone uh, right up to the moment when the event starts, whether they're jumping in the pool or taking off on the track, right? Right. What are these athletes listening to? How about Michael Phelps? Oh my God, that meme, that gif of him in the hoodie.
2: And uh, the earbuds and that face. It's, it's right up there with crying Jordan in terms of those kind of <laughs> memes that you are going to see forever yeah. associated with a moment of readiness. Okay, I'm ready to, you know, jump in that pool and I'm going to win this race. And not only that, I'm going to vanquish
0: my opponents. So so what is this all-time uh, gold medal winning Olympic swimmer? Uh, what is he listening to? Well,
2: according to the New York Times, he prefers to listen to Eminem, Young Jeezy, Little Eric Church, quite a variety there. It's uh, it's quite a moment for Eminem because uh, President Obama also referenced Eminem's "Lose mm. Yourself" as pump-up music uh, to get ready for a big speech. Phelps is using Eminem to get pumped up for a big race, and it's working apparently because he's winning a ton of medals. I guess so.
1: I
0: saw another article uh, that uh, uh, quizzed some of the Olympic athletes. Uh, Alyssa Montano of Track and Field, she's listening to Drake's Headlines. Uh, Allison Felix, also a Track and Field athlete, listening to Beyonce's Diva. That makes sense. Lexi Thompson, I think, had the best choice. Uh, she's a golfer. She's listening to The Weeknd. This, of course, prompted us to start thinking, could we give a better recommendation for music for athletes to listen to right before the big event.
2: Well, it's such a personal thing, right, Jim? So it's, it's more about what would motivate us. Let's say we're in an Olympic event. That would never happen. Neither one of us are great athletes. Lord, but, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I pass out just watching it on TV. It did prompt me to question uh, myself, like, what would get me motivated to to do well in an athletic event? And immediately come, coming to mind was this band Parts and Labor. We actually had them on Sound Opinions years ago they wrote what they called Basement Arena Rock.
3: <laughs> mm. Yeah, <I> <laughs> and it, it was
2: kind of a mixture of lo-fi and the anthemic. I mean, the one thing that I loved about it is when they would get to the chorus, it sounded like you were being hurled over the side of a mountain, and I like that sort of sense of triumph about it. And at the same time, there was this kind of less than perfect approach to the music. A lot of uh, the music that these Olympic athletes are listening to is so perfect; it's so well produced. Well, it's because they want a gold. There's no imperfection. You've got a music for the bronze medal but, winners. No, is but what, you're what, I, what I'm thinking is sometimes the drive to be perfect can work against you. Mm. And for me, it would be about just giving your best and not worrying about being perfect. So I think I hear the imperfections in Parts and Labor's music as much as the triumph, specifically their third album, Stay Afraid, the song, A Great Divide.
0: See, I figured there were two ways to go with this, and I knew you would take the pump-me-up approach. Not that I know anything about athletics. I don't. Uh, I figured, you know, I would actually not want to get pumped up. I would want to be centered. I would want to be zen. I want to, like, you know, really (laughs) harness my concentration. I am shocked. This is an easy pick for me, okay? I am shocked that Brian Eno, in his ambient music phase, (laughs) has never done music for Olympics. You know what I mean? Did music for airports, music for films, discreet music. I would listen to Brian Eno, my favorite Brian Eno ambient music, Thursday afternoon, the 1985 album. It's one 60-minute piece. It was meant to accompany a video, but I think it's the perfect concentration music. If you're studying for an important exam, if you just need to relax and calm down, I would want to, you know, get in the zone. Is that an athletic term? Yeah, close enough. (laughs) I've heard, like, in flipping past ESPN, I'd want to get in the zone. I'd want to concentrate. should throw it out to our listeners. What song would you use to get ready, if not for an Olympic event, then just a regular old workout? Give us a call at our hotline, 888-859-1800.
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that's the song Pedestrian at Best by our guest this week, singer-songwriter and guitarist Courtney Barnett. She's from Melbourne, Australia, and she was nominated for Best New Artist at the 2016 Grammys. That album from 2015, Sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit. What a debut that was. It was on our top ten, both of us. Oh, it was incredible. And what was incredible about it, okay... She writes about everyday moments in her songs. It's not about these big political statements or big personal statements even. Imagery is so powerful and so relatable, and at the same time there's a wit, a subversiveness to it, and then the guitar playing, rhythm lead style. She's filling up a lot of space with that instrument uh, in the way she plays it. The combination of the singing and the guitar playing make her one of the Best new artists of the last few years, Jim. I think I can't wait to see what she's going to do next.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right, Greg. And the thing is that on stage in a big festival setting, a theater, wherever she's performing, she's absolutely explosive, right? But we had her in a very different mode. It was just her and her guitar. No backing band. We recorded live in front of a small audience at the Intimate Goose Island Tap Room. So we talked about her musical style, we talked about her influences, we talked about her songwriting process, and she performed this solo set, which is going to be very different from the way you've heard her before. First, we went back to the beginning, to Melbourne, Australia, and I asked Courtney what her earliest memories of music were.
4: I started playing guitar when I was about 10, and I got a brother who's four years older than me. You know, I looked up to him a lot, and he had, like, mixtapes from his friends with, like, Hendrix and... Nirvana and um, Ace of Base, and um, <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> what made you fall in love with that music? I just remember being obsessed with it, and I like we got our first family computer, and I would um, type out the lyrics as I was listening to the to the record. And Mum came in one day, and I and I'd written I was listening to In Utero, and and I'd written like. I want to eat your cancer and mum was like Uh, what are you listening to? I don't think I really knew what, I, you know, what, what the words were or what they meant. I'm not sure Kurt always
0: did either. <laughs> Both Greg and I interviewed him. There was a sort of Burroughs stream of consciousness thing mm. that he loved to pursue. He talked about cut and paste and, and just stray ideas. You, on the other hand, as a writer, have this wonderful novelistic eye for detail. You love little vignettes.
4: Yeah, I've kind of tried lots of different um, writing exercises and stuff to get ideas and I went to art school straight out of school and and I remember learning about like the kind of surrealists and the and the stream of consciousness writing and and all that stuff I found that really interesting so you know I gave I gave that a go and I still I still kind of do that every day if I can which is a lie every (laughs) now and then as (laughs) often as you can
2: I would always talk to these Australian musicians, you know, everybody from Nick Cave to AC/DC, and they would always say how tough the bar scene was in Australia. Like, if you weren't pleasing the crowd, they would really let you have it. They would yeah. let you know. It was a hard-drinking crowd. They wanted to hear some good-time music, and if you weren't delivering, you had to put on a show. Did you, did you experience any of that?
4: No, I mean, when we were doing that, it was pretty much just our friends, uh you know, convincing them to come and yeah i've heard I've heard those kind of stories, and people would just like throw beers when I first started singing my songs. It was at open mic night, so it was very kind of acoustic and and then I started working in bars when I moved to Melbourne, like I'd play in a band with a guy another guy who who worked behind the bar, and we would kind of pour the beers, do the sound, and then sometimes we'd play the gig as well <laughs> um, <laughs> And be like, serve yourself, and then run and fix <laughs> the sound. And
2: You were basically a guitar player. That's how you cut your teeth, right? Yeah. As a, as a live performer, you are basically a guitarist in a, in a band.
4: I was just too nervous to sing in front of anyone, I think. I didn't really sing. Like when I started playing guitar, it was, it was too hard to sing and play at the same time. It took me so mm-hmm. long <laughs> to figure out how that works
2: how did you overcome that hurdle about singing? How did, how did you get past the idea of, of singing in front of an audience?
4: Well, I don't think I am totally over it, but I'm definitely <laughs> more over it than I was then. I think I just started writing songs that I felt comfortable singing, and in a way that I, you know, I felt in my safe zone. <laughs>
2: And then you form your own label and put that stuff out. I mean, that was a pretty bold move, too. You never tried to shop it or anybody interested in putting this out for me?
4: Yeah, no one was really interested, so I didn't really know how to do that. I didn't know how to shop stuff around, so I just figured um, I'd make a store and people could buy it if they wanted to.
2: Become a record mogul.
4: Yeah, that's, that's me.
0: <laughs> um, Courtney, you're sitting there. What are you going to play? <laughs>
4: This on the new album is called Elevator Operator. Oliver Paul, twenty years old, thick head of hair worries he's going bald. Wakes up at a quarter past nine. There evades his way down the 96 tram line Breakfast on the run again He's well aware He's dropping soil in seed Veggie, mud, crumbs everywhere Out of the side of his computer, he dodges his way through the Swanston commuters, rips off his tie, hands it to a homeless man sleeping in the corner of a metro bus, and he screams, I'm not gonna work today, gonna count the minutes that the trains run. a pot all that's not been filled in. He waits for an elevator, one two, nine. A lady walks in and waits by his side. Her heels are high and her bag is snakeskin. Hair pulled so tight you can see her skeleton. Vicar's perfume on her breath. A tortoiseshell necklace between her breath. She looks him up and down with a Botox frown. He's well used Idling insignificantly. I come up here for perception and clarity. I like to imagine I'm playing Sim City All the people look like ants from up here.
0: Elevator operator by Courtney Barnett. Not to get old rock critic beyond you. Okay. <laughs> but I love the different ways we can read that song. I mean, in some ways it seems like a mini novella, you know, about, you know, why is the boy taking the elevator to the roof? Is he gonna jump off, right? But then I you know, I had another perspective when I've read you say in interviews it's not really about that, it's about judgment and how people think they know your story when they look at you, but do they?
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: What was the genesis of that tune in particular?
4: My friend came over for dinner, Oliver. He's the character in the story. He just kind of said that he'd had a weird experience that day. He went to the Nicholas Building, which is in the middle of uh, Swanson Street, and he wanted to go to the roof because he heard it was a a nice view. This lady got in the elevator with him and wouldn't let him go to the roof because she thought he was going to kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) And then I kind of created, you know, a story around it because obviously I wasn't there and didn't know the rest of it. But, but yeah, I, I kind of just use, use a little bit of poetic license.
2: The fact that you're writing about these everyday things and turning them into songs, which is a very appealing part of what you do. And it seems like you do write a lot of stuff down. So are you writing all the time, like taking notes on the road? Do you have like a journal that you keep with you all the time? Is that how it, how it starts?
4: I do. I carry a journal, and I just write stuff forever. But um. It takes me a, a long time to kind of work something out, so even if it's floating around in my head, I'll kind of eventually come back and find it, and if I just write a, a three-word scribble in my book, then that kind of helps bring it back at some point.
0: After the break, we'll be back with Courtney Barnett at the Goose Island Tap Room, and she'll talk about how her ideas become songs. Later, we'll review the new album from alt-country singer-songwriter Lydia Lovelace. That's in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
4: At the end of the day, it's a pain that I keep seeing your name, but I'm sure...
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott, my partner's Jim DeRogatis, and that's the song "Aqua Profunda from our guest this week, Australian singer-songwriter Courtney Barnett. Before the break, we were talking about Barnett as a lyricist in her songwriting process, and I wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty of things, so I asked her to walk us step-by-step through writing a song.
4: So a song like De Preston, I remember um, I went and looked at a house and in the car on the way home, I think I wrote down if you've got a spare half a million, that, that line at the end, because that's one of the last things the real estate lady had said to us, you know, the real estate <laughs> chatter. If you've got a spare half a million, you could knock it down and start rebuilding. The story came first and then it, it built around it and and it was kind of sad because it was like this old lady's house that had that had died and the family like the family was trying to sell it and all of her cute little grandma things were still around and I see the handrail in the shower a collection of those canisters for coffee, tea and flour and a photo of a young man in a van in Vietnam so it was, I kind of left feeling really sad and then there was the the chords came really easily because I at the time, was learning. You guys know the go betweens, yeah? Mm-hmm. You know streets of your town, the or whatever it is that. It kind of grew out of that a little, a little bit. I mean, it's in a different key or whatever, but uh, and it's it's kind of really different. But to me, it sounds. Uh, similar. Well, why don't you play Depression for us? Sure. to be around all these coffee shops Now we've got that percolator Never made a latte greater I'm saving $23 a week We drive to a house in Preston We see police arrested man with his hand in a bag How's that for first impressions? This place seems depressing It's a Californian bungalow in a cul-de-sac It's got a lovely garden And a garage for two cars to park in or a lot of room for storage if you've just got one. And it's going pretty cheap, you say? Well, it's to it deceased to stay. On the press, metal ceiling's great. I see the handrail in the shower A collection of those canisters for coffee, tea and flour And a photo of a young man in a van in Vietnam And I can't think of floorboards anymore Whether the front room faces south or north And I wonder what she bought it for i
2: De Preston from Courtney Barnett on Sound Opinions. You are listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Kot with Jim Deeregattis. We're here with uh, Courtney Barnett at the Goose Island Tap Room. The guitar style, it's a real treat watching you finger pick here, kind of small intimate setting. This is the way you started out in some ways, in front of, in front of those smaller audiences playing just you and a guitar.
4: Yeah, people always ask me that I don't use a pick, and I think it's because when I was playing acoustic all the time with a pick, I just hate the sound of it on the strings and I think also because I was playing by myself on acoustic guitar probably kind of I guess it was some sort of like percussive thing as well
2: but that percussive thing you're talking about because I really feel like I'm almost hearing two guitars on stage when you're playing it's like there's a a lead thing going on but there's also this rhythmic thing going on
4: yeah I think uh, so when I first started writing on these songs when I was by myself tracking the two you know I do a rhythm and a a lead and, and obviously couldn't do that live so I, I would always get a friend to come and play the the lead stuff wherever we were. So when we did the album, Dan Luscombe who played guitar on the, the new album, he's an amazing guitarist and he couldn't do a tour and I was like who am I going to get to play guitar and then I thought I'd just do it myself. So I'm kind of combining the two things I guess and with a bit of extra noise it um, cancels out all the wrong notes. <laughs> <laughs> so. I want I to <laughs> seize on that phrase you just
0: used, the little <laughs> bit of extra noise. The one downside of having you in this format, I mean, what a treat it is for us to have you here showing us these songs in this way. But if people are tuning in on the radio and they've never heard you, I mean, there is an intensity. Is that hard? Night after night. Because in a three-piece, there's nowhere to hide.
4: Doing the new album and doing Dan's guitar parts, I really had to push my skills (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, to another level. So it's kind of on the edge of completely falling apart a lot of the time because it's hard for me. (laughs) There's not a moment in our shows where I'm kind of clocking out and and (laughs) being bored and like wondering what's on TV or something.
2: All right, so I want to ask you another thing about your songwriting because a friend describes to you an elevator ride and you're making these wonderful songs about everyday kind of moments. But I'm listening to your record again and I go, you know, she's, Courtney's an environmentalist too. And you listen to a song like uh, Dead Fox or Kim's Caravan.
4: are marks on the ceiling, I can see Jesus and he's frowning at me. I see a dead seal on the beach The old man says he's already saved it three times this week I didn't think about it that strongly when I was writing them It was just, you know, things that were on my mind And that I felt passionate about I think when I was in high school I was on the debate team I really wanted to be a good debater I wasn't. I just wasn't. I was mm-hmm. really nervous and I was really bad at speaking. And But my problem is that I'm not that good at communicating my ideas, except through song. Got me some hot chips and a cool drink. Took a sandy seat on the shore.
2: Courtney, how about another song?
4: Oh, okay. Well, why don't. How did I sing Dead Fox? No. 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 I'll do that. Seeing as it's on topic. so we buy organic vegetables and I must admit that I was a little sceptical at first a little pestis I can't help never having too much money I get the cheap stuff at the supermarket but they're all pumped up with shit a friend told me that they stick nicotine in the apples if you Hume, somewhere at the end of June taxi Taxidermy kangaroos are littered on the shoulders A possum Jackson Pollock is painted on the top Sometimes I think a single sneeze could be the end of us My hay fever is turning off Just swerved into a passing truck. Big business overtaken without indicating He passes on the right Been driving through the night To bring us the best price shoot my logo calling cars instead of sharks or just lock them up in parks where we can go and view them there's a bypass of a whole brook now paid for with burgers no doubt I've lost count of all the cows there'll be no salad sandwiches the law of averages says we'll stop in the next town where petrol prices is down what do I know anyhow if you can't see me I can't
2: Box from Courtney Barnett on Sound Opinions at the uh, Goose Island Tap Room. Are you looking ahead to
0: the next album?
4: Yeah, uh, I'm not very good at making decisions or plans or timelines. So um, I'll probably, I kind of just amble along until until it really has to be done. But I'm sure, I want to record something again soon. Okay. (laughs) My environmentalist uh, album.
0: There you go, concept album. Yeah. Right.
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, you can play us one more song before you have to sure. run. Sure,
4: yeah. Is it? Yep. Um, so this song's called Nobody Really Cares If You Don't Go to the Party. You always get what you want, and you don't even try. Your friends hate it when it's always going your way But I'm glad that you've got luck on your side You're saying definitely, maybe I'm saying probably no You say you're sleeping, you're dead I'm scared, I'll die, in my sleep I guess that's not a bad way to go I wanna go out, but I wanna stay
0: Nobody really cares if you don't go to the party. Courtney Burnett, live on Sound Opinions. Courtney, thanks so much for coming on our show.
4: Thanks for having me. That wraps up
0: our conversation with Courtney Barnett at the Goose Island Tap Room. Do you have an opinion on Courtney's music? Leave us a message at 888-859-1800 or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Coming up next, we'll share our opinions on the new album from old country singer-songwriter Lydia Lovelace, And Greg will drop a quarter into the Desert Island jukebox. That's in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That is the song Midwestern Guys from the fourth studio album by Lydia Lovelace, Real. Greg, uh, we first discovered Lydia Lovelace on her self released 2006 album. She was signed shortly thereafter to Bloodshot, the mainstay of Alternative Country, a long running independent label here in Chicago. We've had her on Sound Opinions in the past. She was born in a small town in Ohio. Koshkocton in 1990, she's 25 years old now. Raised on a farm, basically. But her father was a music fan who booked bands at a local bar. She was surrounded by musicians her whole life. When she came on the show, her dad was playing drums for her. Mm -hmm. It was a family affair. Moved to Columbus eventually, off the farm, began a solo career that started with a bang. Uh, A self-released album, The Only Man. Uh, Her first bloodshot release, Indestructible Machine, really won a lot of fans. And now it's time for Outlooks. Album number four recorded as she's done in the past pretty quick with her core band no fuss no muss but different we'll get into exactly how and we'll give our opinions on this new release after we play a song this is same to you by lydia Lovelace from real on sound opinions
2: That is Same to You from Lydia Lovelace, the fourth studio album, Real. What a song that is. The guitars sort of surge around her yeah. in the middle of that song. You know, and it's an emotional roller coaster. I mean, she takes that matter of fact phrase, if it's the same to you, uh, but turns it into this <laughs> cathartic moment. And her songs turn on these everyday kind of matters. She's not singing about. Uh, huge events, but she's singing about small-town events and small-town lives, very much like the one uh, she came from. Incredible detail and with incredible emotion. There's two things about Lydia Lovelace. One, as a songwriter, I think she's stepping up her game with each album, it's gotten better and more refined with each album, and the voice, what a voice it's a, it's a powerhouse of a mm-hmm. voice uh, and when you hear her sing a line like if but if self control is what you want i'd have to break all of my fingers off yeah. you you know she means it There's... yeah she's not kidding no this is a, as direct as and brutally honest as a writer can be about themselves about their relationship. That song Midwestern Guys, the way it just sort of telescopes down what a what a summer was like in a small town, you know, the the guy uh, listening to a Def Leppard album with a warm six-pack, you can
0: you can feel it, you can yeah. smell that moment, you can see it in your in your mind. Well, it's not one note either. I love the way she's mixing in, you know, exasperation, disgust at these guys, yeah. sarcasm, sadness, but also just a little bit of like she's attracted to them there, there is a sense
2: of humor about it and there is kind of this in every relationship she talks about there's a complexity there that she doesn't shy away from it's not black or white but as you said there's a sort of a middle ground there that she's exploring in really fascinating ways she's come as close as she's gotten to writing a straight up pop song really hooky chorus in that song longer that song clumps couldn't be any more sparse there's a very wide range of material here Lydia Lovelace just keeps getting better with each record I wish there were more songs on the record that had sort of that uh, surging guitar backing that Same to You has. But in terms of her songwriting, she just keeps getting better and better. It's a buy-it record for me.
0: It's absolutely a buy-it record, Greg, and I don't mean to make this a facile uh, comparison, but people talk about Taylor Swift and her confessional mode about being a young woman and dealing with all these different things. I just think Lydia Lovelace is so much a deeper writer. You said it's all about small-town things, small issues, but a song like Longer, it's actually written about the death of a friend of hers, a Columbus musician who died of a drug overdose, and she's singing... Uh, She's saying give me just a little bit longer to get over you Mm -hmm. Like don't die yet I'm not over our relationship You know, the the palette is broadening out here. We have a little bit of Mellotron on this album. We have some bleeping analog synthesizers. And Heaven, uh, which you kind of skirted by, is almost a a 1980s disco pop or new wave song, right? It's so bouncy she has never done that before. ¶¶ an artist that voice is irresistible and her songwriting is just top drawer I mean so it's an enthusiastic buy it for both of us I tell you little buddy this whole island is bewitched
1: Remember, we were shipwrecked together.
0: As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, one of us takes a trip to the desert island, pops a quarter in the jukebox, and plays you a song we cannot live without, at least on this particular day. Greg, it's your turn. What do you got?
2: Jim, uh, I was just at the 25th anniversary of the Lollapalooza Festival. 25 years it's been around. Uh, they celebrated with a big four-day event in Grand Park. I covered
0: it all. has nothing to do with what started 25 well, years ago. It's and, a completely different animal.
2: And that's where I was going. I, you know, I, I wrote some retrospective pieces about where this festival started, where it's gone uh in the early 90s it was a traveling festival and back then it was a revelation because you saw a lot of uh, a lot of really great bands in a setting that you didn't expect to see them in uh, one of the best parts about Lollapalooza in its earlier years, there, there obviously were the big main stage draws. You know, they would have the, you know, Jane's Addiction headlining the first year, celebrating its farewell, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, etc. But what for me was the real attraction was what they would book on the second stage, mm-hmm. which was inevitably a smaller stage set off to the side. And they would be like the second tier, less popular acts. But I remember one year in particular, 94. They had, uh, you know, like the Flaming Lips were still an unknown quantity at that time. They just played an incredible set that day. And the other band that I really remember from that afternoon was Guided by Voices, which was just emerging with this record called B-1000. Nobody outside of Ohio had heard of guided by voices really a few people were writing about them they'd started to play some small club shows in chicago but these guys really hadn't been outside of ohio and these guys were in their mid-30s at this point they came out with this incredible record with these very terse two and three minute anthems uh, written by robert pollard this school teacher turned rock star the one thing that struck me about the band seeing them live especially around that time and at Lollapalooza in particular was the fact that their records had this sort of lo-fi kind of bedroom quality about them, but on stage they were the freaking who. I mean, <laughs> it was just this big sound coming out. And, you know, it, there was uh, Pollard doing his Roger Daltry, twirling the microphone, kicking his legs up, Just having a ball up there on stage, they were irresistible to see in a a small setting like that. And I remember a lot of people showing up because they'd heard about the band and just being blown away by what they saw that day. In tribute to that show and that record, I want to play what I think is one of their best songs ever. And I love it because it's so referential. I am a lost soul. I shoot myself with rock and roll. Nothing else can set me free. Those are some (laughs) lyrics from the song I'm about to play. I am a scientist by Guided by Voices on Sound Opinions.
0: Scientist by Guided by Voices, Greg's Desert Island jukebox pick for the week. Mr. Cott, what do we have on the show next week?
2: Well, the world is glued to watching what's going on in Rio this week, Jim, with the Olympics. And uh, we're going to give you a tour, not only of Rio, but Brazil, and
0: hone in on some of the best music from that country. Greg, we had some help during our taping at the Goose Island Tap Room getting Courtney Barnett down adam yaffe andrew gill and paula friedrich sound opinions is otherwise produced by brendan banizak evan chung alex claiborne and our intern is daphne mclean
3: on sound
1: hear me?
2: opinions everyone's a critic So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800.
3: New messages.
2: Hey, guys. uh, Great show. This is Chris from North Carolina. Uh, I'm calling in response to the ska show you did recently, and in particular your claim that third-wave ska was all about white kids in the suburbs on the coasts. And I would say that even though that was the kind of MTV face of bands like Real Big Fish or Less Than Jake... For each of those, there were a bunch of bands like Hepcat and Voodoo Glow Skulls and everything on Asian Man, so Skink and Pickle and the Chinkies and the Bruce Lee Band, that really made the genre diverse. So many times I think this world, it has
1: no problem. we always think that nothing bad could ever happen to us, so why can't I get something? I
2: think a lot of those bands were the second look and a lot of them made amazing music.
4: Thank you. Hi, this is Liz calling from St. Petersburg, Florida. I just listened to your episode about ska music and really enjoyed it. brought
2: back great memories. I definitely was part of the second wave of ska um, in my young teenage years. Uh, really got into the specials and madness. A group
4: that I think one of your guests mentioned, but I don't think you played any of their music, was The Selector. And in particular, I thought it was really cool because the lead singer, uh, Pauline Black, I thought she sounded really cool. There weren't too many female voices in that movement, so that really stood out. And in particular, there was one song called My Collie, uh, and it just felt really subversive and, and cool to listen to it because it was about collie weed, so kind of felt rebellious. Really, really dug that music at that time. So thanks for the memories. Great show.
3: My name is Damien, and I'm calling regarding the Scott show, and I want to know why Sublime uh, was not included in any of the conversations Punk, Scott Sublime. I think it all goes together. I don't practice. Greg and Jim, this is August from Chicago. Just finished listening to your show on Ska. And I just wanted to weigh in uh, that toward the tail end of the second wave in Britain, there were actually a couple of uh, American bands that
2: preceded uh, Fishbone and uh, Op Ivy. And uh, on the West Coast, you had The Untouchables. And uh, here in Chicago, you had Heavy Manners,
0: uh, both uh, really fun uh, kind of pop and uh, punk-influenced ska
1: bands.
3: Hey
2: Jim and Craig, this is Jeff. I'm in the Air Force and currently deployed in the Middle East. Um, I really love the show and uh, just listened to the tortoise episode and I just wanted to say how how grateful I am for just the songs that we're playing and uh, just the way that music is able to really transport you out of 120 degrees in the middle of the desert to uh, far cooler places. And I just so appreciate your show and everything that you bring on a weekly basis. Please keep it up and
0: uh, have a great, great day.